Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a Rio statistics professor gives you sports betting tips. I'm your host, Professor Sides, and I have built a set of mathematical models named Sideline that predict various sports outcomes. More about the baseball model in the course of this episode. So let's cover six Major League Baseball games. It's going to be played on May 5th, 2023. In case you're new here, check out the webpage on the banner. It's www.pickswiththeprofessor.com slash new for some explanations and community rules. Also, remember, if you're interested in projections and picks on every single game, along with access to our Discord chat and a lot of other goodies, what the model requires for an A-grade play on every single game as you're shopping around between when you see the show and or the picks and game time, sign up on Dub Club. That link is in the show description. Remember that sports are unpredictable, so the discussion on this show projects a typical game. It does not try to forecast it to a T, as that would be a foolish and impossible goal. The way I'm always thinking about it is if these two teams were to play 100 times, where those 100 outcomes fall? We're going to get one random realization from that. But, you know, we saw the Mariners put up like a five spot in the 10th inning. You don't expect that to happen. Um, yesterday, we talked about Orioles-Royals, and that game is it's still happening now, and there's 24 runs in it. We knew there'd be a lot of runs, but like we got the over, which is great. But again, that's still a weird outcome, right? So the idea is that even though thankfully we were on the right side of the weird and not the wrong side of the weird, there's weird all over the place. And it's always about the long term. The, the way I like to think about it, in any individual one game, I'm never right or wrong. Where I'm right and wrong is in the totality of if the model says 65%, if we did take every game that the model has said 65% of the time, do those teams actually win 65% of the time? That's where the model shines, and that's what we're aiming for, that accuracy, because that's going to inform us when we have a team that we think wins 60% of the time. That's going to tell us, take them if they're minus 140, take the dog if it's plus 160. And that's where the strength of the model is. So these one-off weird things, bullpens get crazy, extra innings gets crazy. That's just baseball. Baseball is a weird sport. Um, but again, this stuff's going to balance out the long run. That's why I talk about, think about if it's a whole bunch of times. And we don't we only see the game once, but we can accumulate how the model does on all games that are similar to it. And those diagnostics, I'll be coming out with some of those here as the summer gets going and get more data right now. There's still not a lot of data on that, but that's where I fine tune the model. That's where it shines is a long-term slow and steady bankroll increase. The idea being, as I'm always saying, please understand that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as I'd like to still be profitable each and every day, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. I uh, took some flack here a couple days ago, game one, Kraken and Stars hockey playoffs, and uh, I was wearing a Mariners jersey. Uh, the Mariners were A-plus play of the day, and they won. Uh, but, you know, they're from Seattle, and I'm a Stars fan, and so, you know, I'm trying to, like, undo that curse now. And so we're rolling with the Stars jersey today so that they can have some good luck and win this series, get that turned around. You know, we're a little superstitious here in, in sports world, uh, but that's why you're seeing a little bit of a different outfit. It's a, it's a Texas though. It's hot. It's kind of hot in this thing. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's thin, but man, it's a, it's kind of warm <laughs> anyway, before we get to today. So there's a baseball show, even though I'm wearing a hockey jersey baseball show before we get to, uh, today's slate, which I'm excited about. We got afternoon game and we got some early evening games and a bunch of late games to talk about. It's a great slate. Uh, but please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. So if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free. And if you turn on notifications, you won't miss any of the college basketball, MLB, or college football content. 
that this channel provides. Again, A-grade Moneyline plays return four units. B-grades return three. C-grades return two. You'll see that on the screen on the banner there below. But let's get to it. And as always, take what you like and leave the rest. That afternoon start, 2.20 p.m. Eastern. Marlins at the Cubs. Let's grab the underdog Marlins here at plus 142. It's a B-grade. We're risking about a unit and a quarter to win one and three quarters. The Cubs have been terrible as of late. You know, I think the Cubs are just a great example of the fact that baseball is a high variant sport. They looked really good. Now they look really bad. The truth is somewhere in between. They're not as good as they looked earlier. They're not as bad as they look now. The bottom line is that's why we have a model that's uses historical data. Because if you just focus, I kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday. If you just focus on one month of data, you are going to make so many wrong conclusions about baseball as a sport and teams because you just need way more data. And that's why we use historical data, seasons past, why it's player-based. That way as players move around, their performance goes with them. And that's why we have this model help us project because um, otherwise you'll just get too twisted around with how the teams looked over three days or five days or a week or even a month. And that's just a, there's a lot of noise in there. And that's why I'm here to help you sort through the noise. But listen, people with baseball, if your default setting is everything is noise, you're going to be right about eight times out of 10. Okay. It's not always the case, but that's just a good default setting to revert back to. Anytime something weird happens, just kind of chalk it up to that's just random variance. And and you're gonna be you're gonna be wrong a few times, but you're gonna be right way more than wrong. If you have the other op, op, you know outlook and you say every time something happens, you're like, well, this tells me something. You're gonna be chasing your tail left and right. So the reason I say that is we're fading the Cubs here, less to do about the fact that they've played poorly lately, because every team is gonna have these stretches where they play better than they look and worse than they look, and when it they bounce back and all of a sudden then things are fine, and you just never really know when it's gonna happen. The reason we're playing the Marlins here is about the fact that Edward Cabrera is who the heck knows what you're getting and it's plus odds. And if Edward Cabrera shows up and pitches well, the, the Marlins got a great chance to win this game. If he doesn't, they don't stand a chance. That's why we're getting plus odds. <laughs> so the model's kind of looking at that and saying the probability that the Marlins win this is about 43%. Again, knowing that we're probably more likely to need a bad Cabrera start than a good one, but a good Cabrera start against a, an average Cubs offense, you know, is, is possible. And if he has a good start, the Marlins are absolutely going to be in this game. And you're going to love having that plus 142 in your back pocket. So a little bit of value here. It's a little bit overpriced towards the Cubs model. So it should be Cubs minus 134. So the Cubs should be favored, just not quite to the price that they are. So I'm going to take a chance on the dog here on the day game and see how it plays out. Justin Steele has been phenomenal this year, 124 ERA, but the underlying metrics suggest his ERA should be in the mid threes, which is still good. And that's what I've been preaching about him all season long. He He's still a good pitcher. He's just not this good. He's going to come back to earth. Don't know if it's this start. Obviously, there's a better chance of that happening, coming back to earth when you know it warms up there in Wrigley Field and the ball starts flying. That's obviously he's going to see some regression there. But uh, this Marlins offense, you know, is very right-handed heavy. That means they project to hit lefties better. So I think that makes these offenses about the same. And while Steele's a better pitcher than Cabrera, Cabrera has some upside too and could duel him. And again, that makes this plus 142 just a little bit of a smart value play here, taking a chance on the dog. We're going to have strong winds, 10 to 15 miles an hour, blowing somewhere between across and out. It's going to be kind of angled towards that left field foul pole. If it shifts a little bit and it's more out, there's definitely a good chance this game has a ton of runs. If it shifts to across, 
a little bit of a different story. Right now, kind of taking the average of those possible outcomes together, sideline's projecting a total of 9.4. So the model does like the over. I'm not playing the over just yet. I do want to see more about the wind. Uh, but if the wind is blowing out, over 9 would be a really strong play here because it is going to be in the mid-60s. So the ball's... It's not going to fly necessarily, but it's not going to hang up either. And that wind really matters at Wrigley Raw. Somehow it's the most uh, sensitive park to wind. The reason I'm not jumping on it as of yet is if this isn't a crosswind, steals a good pitcher. And again, we might get a good Edward Cabrera start. And if we do, uh, that's going to make, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, the under not actually look a little bit more appealing. So I'm just kind of waiting to see a little bit more about the wind on this one. So always having to check the weather at Wrigley. Uh, and today here is no exception. 7 p.m. Eastern, Rockies at the Mets. I'm going to take a big favor here in the Mets at minus 230. It's a B grade. Uh, faded the Mets here on Wednesday night and got big plus odds for the Tigers winning that one. Faded the Mets on Thursday, got big plus odds in the Tigers winning that one. This Mets team is still good. I like them to bounce back here this weekend, mainly on the strength of the fact that their opponent is not very good in the Rockies. The Rockies do play a little bit better at home. They've given the Brewers all that they want here this weekend and some, but the Rockies on the road are a little bit of a different story. It's more just an auto fade at that point. They're one of the weaker teams away from home. They play better at home because they're used to the elements. They're used to that bigger field. You know, gripping the ball, talk about the altitude, gripping the ball is a little bit different. Your stuff moves a little bit differently. So it's a, you know, a huge home field advantage for the Rockies at home, but on the road, they are a terrible team. And so it's really steep price here, but I still think the Mets are a solid play at minus 230. Model says it should be minus 230. So it's really an even expected value play according to the model. But I like backing the Mets here. I like backing Singa. Sensatella, you know, is a below average pitcher. He'll be making his first start. And kind of as we saw, um, you know, with some of these pitchers coming back here recently, the first start, you just never really know how they're going to perform. It's a below-average pitcher in Sensatella on the road against what is still a good offense in the Mets, even though they can be hot and cold. Uh, this is a good kind of get-right spot for that Mets offense. So even though it's a little steep at minus 230, I still think it's a solid investment. And the other play, though, that I'm firmly recommending on this one is an under. I'm seeing 8.5 right now, and the model projects 7.6. If this Mets offense still decides not to show up, this under is basically guaranteed. Now, I don't know if they will show up because, again, as I mentioned, with hot and cold streaks, you just never know exactly when a team's going to show up, when they're not, when it's going to pick up. and You just never know when that's going to happen. Um, but even if the Mets score a handful of runs, I just don't see this Rockies offense on the road scoring against a pitcher like Singa, who I still think is above average. I still think he's better than uh, than average. 4.15 ERA, so I know if you're a Mets fan, you're kind of iffy on him. And, and I know he's had some iffy results, but I still think he's a solid pitcher that I'm comfortable backing. And again, I just see this being a lower scoring game, kind of one of those, you know, five to two Mets wins would be what I would project on this one. So I like the Mets here, even at a steep price. I don't really want to play it above 240 though. And I definitely would not be playing it at minus 250. That doesn't mean I play the Rockies at that point. At that point, it would just be a straight pass. So who knows what numbers you're looking at, but getting in the low minus 200s is a reasonable investment. And again, B grade value here, risking about two units to, to win one, mainly again on the weakness of the Rockies offense. I just don't think they score any here on the road in a pitcher friendly park and a night that's going to be about 50 degrees and really no wind that's going to affect anything. 8.15 p.m. Eastern Tigers at the Cardinals. Um, Cardinals, man. Uh, not your year, maybe. Uh, catchers matter. And that's, I think, what we're seeing, right? We saw it with Buster Posey coming back the year he took off, and he comes back, and the Giants are all of a sudden good again. Um, 
we see with the Orioles now having a, you know, a good young competent catcher coming up and, and how that changes the team. Uh, Cardinals now, you know, missing, missing Yadi and Molina, I guess. I don't, I don't really know what their issue is, but uh, they've been really struggling here. I don't know how this game plays out. I'm going to back the Tigers at plus 200 simply because I don't know what's going to happen. So give me plus 200. This Tigers team, not been great, but they have had some solid wins. They played the Mets really well here, um, for example. And I like both pitchers here. Boyd, you know, a guy who probably his best days are behind him. But given the struggles that this Cardinals offense has had, this is a nice spot for him to kind of reclaim some of his past glory, again, in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, I absolutely love. 334 ERA advanced metrics. It should be better. I think he's a really undervalued pitcher. I'm on the under in this one, under 8.5. Model projects 7.6. And in a low-scoring game like this with the struggles of the Cardinals offense, has had they did hit around a little bit some of the angels bullpen guys but that's not saying anything whatsoever uh the the tigers you know if boyd gets them a good start the back end of the tigers bullpen's not bad this place sets up to be a three to two type game or a three three game late and at that point who knows what's going to happen plus 200 is a reasonable chance just to sprinkle a little bit on the tigers you can see they're risking about two-thirds of a unit to win one and a third unit it's basically just sprinkling the tigers and the main investments on the under i think this is a low scoring game don't know how it plays out but i, I kind of see this being um you know not too dissimilar than the last game the tigers played against a team that's much better than them and the, the, the game that they beat the mets to nothing here on Thursday breeze will be blowing across though. It's kind of shifting a little bit out. So something to keep an eye on there. If the wind blows out, that's going to make the under a little bit less exciting, but if it shifts towards across this under is looking really great again in a park in St. Louis that plays really pitcher friendly on a night. Like we're going to have tonight where it's mid sixties versus where it gets a little more header friendly when you get those hundred degree days in St. Louis, but we're not going to be seeing anything near that here uh, on Friday. 9.40 p.m. Eastern, Dodgers at the Padres. Going with another underplay here. Under eight runs in this game. Model projects 7.3. It'll be a typical night in San Diego. Upper 50. Slight breeze blowing out or across. But this is on the strength of the pitchers. Clayton Kershaw and Joe Musgrove. Musgrove's numbers are terrible because of the Mexico City start. But anybody who pitched in that first game had terrible numbers. And then they adjusted the humidor settings. And who the heck knows? Second game still had a lot of runs. Just not nearly as many, of course. When you only have two starts and that's one of them, you throw it out the window, right? And so I think Musgrove is a good chance to get back on track here. This Dodgers offense is looking really good. Padres offense is still pretty good too, but I think that Musgrove and Kershaw are the types of pitchers here to stifle the offenses a little bit. Uh, Padres are a little bit left-handed heavy. That means facing a lefty isn't good for them. Kershaw probably not quite as good as this 189 ERA. But the advanced metrics still say he's one of the better pitchers in baseball. So I just don't think there's going to be a lot of runs. It sets up to be a, a pitcher's duel. Musgrove knows he has to bring his A-grade stuff when you're uh, opposing a guy like Kershaw, who still, despite his age, continues to pitch really well. So again, model projecting 7.3. I'm going under 8. I'm also taking the Dodgers as a B-grade pick here at minus 120, risking a little over a unit and a half to win a little under a unit and a half. Bottom line, Dodgers' bullpen's a lot better. Dodgers' offense has shown a lot more signs of life here this season than the Padres offense. Um, I, I just think the Dodgers should be bigger favorites in this. I know it's on the road. I know this is a big rivalry game, especially for the Padres. Uh, you know, so I know that the home crowd will be fired up there, but 
just at the end, I, I think it's a tight ball game. I think, like I said, I think Musgrove's up to the task, but I still think Kershaw's the better pitcher. And so at that point, it sets up to be, you know, two to one, three to two Dodgers late. And then that Dodgers bullpen's better. I think it's going to be tough for the Padres to come back against the better bullpen of the Dodgers. So all things considered here, I still think Dodgers minus 120. Just a smart investment. Models this would be, should be minus 122. So a slight bit of value, but this is a game where sideline says the Dodgers win 55% of the time. And I tend to agree it's in the mid to upper fifties uh, that they win this one. And that makes minus 120 a decent investment in the Dodgers. And again, I'm also playing the under. 10 p.m. Eastern Astros at the Mariners projecting the roof to be closed up in Seattle on this one. Christian Javier and Luis Castillo. Let's get the total all the way first. I'm seeing seven model project 6.8. So a pretty well-priced total. If I was going to do anything, I absolutely would go under. The Mariners offense has struggled for the most part this year, doing a little bit better in the 10th inning and beyond from Wednesday night's game. But beyond that, this offense has struggled. The Astros offense is still at half strength, and these two pitchers are really good. Uh, so I would not play under six and a half. That's about where I think it should be priced though. So it's not an official underplay um, at seven right now, but it is definitely the way I would be looking going under seven in this one. Uh, but I, I love both these pitchers, Christian Javier and Luis Castillo. Both of them have pitched really well this season. Castillo is one of the better pitchers in baseball. Javier obviously uh, has a couple of rougher starts in, in there, but also a very good pitcher. I just don't see a lot of offense happening. Both bullpens are good. I see this being a low-scoring game. Uh, but I'm going to back the Astros here at plus 132. Kind of similar to my logic on the Tigers. Low-scoring game. I don't know what's going to happen. It's probably 1-1 one to one late. Maybe 0-0 zero, zero late, to be honest. We've seen those type of games with both of these teams involved with the way their offenses have struggled. And uh, at a pitcher-friendly ballpark, you know, with these pitchers, I don't really see why that changes here. Like, I don't think, you know... You never know. Sometimes you get pitchers duels and they're like seven to five, right? But in general, this shouldn't be a really high scoring game. That kind of makes it really coin tossy. So plus 132 is a pretty good play on the Astros. And as Cousin Jared and I were mentioning yesterday, the Mariners struggles so much here uh, as of like barely eking out a couple wins here against the A's. You know, it's a decent chance to still fade them, especially when you're getting plus odds. I know that Castillo is really good, but of the Astros pitchers, uh, Christian Javier from Valdez, those are definitely the top two that you think can really go toe to toe with an ace like this. And if and if it was Javier against a team against what the Mariners' offense, what we kind of thought they might be coming into the season, that's a little bit of a different story because then it's like, oh, the Mariners at home definitely have an edge. But I'm just not sure how big the edge is with the way that their offense has looked. They just haven't been getting it going, and a guy like Javier should be able to step right in and play to that and keep this a tight contest. Plus 132, just too good to pass up here on the Astros. Sideline says it should be Mariners minus 123 that they win 55% of the time. I think it's probably actually a little bit less than that. I think this is closer to 50% than the model says it is. And so plus 132, again, just too good to pass up. And the light one here, Brewers at the Giants, 10.15 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to take the Brewers at minus 145. I want to talk about this one because the C grade, that's absolutely part of my portfolio. And the reason why is I, it's Corbin Burns versus Sean Maniah. I mean, I, it really is that simple. I, I don't – nothing else needs to be said. I mean, <laughs> Corbin Burns has struggled this year, but we backed him in his last start at a great price. And I, I talked to the people in the Discord. I was like, hey, well, I can't believe that we're getting this good of a price on Corbin Burns. He's still really good. I know it's been a struggle this year, but I need to see a whole lot more bad starts from him before I start writing him off. And that worked out really well for us. I, I just – I think he's he's going to get this thing going. I have complete faith in him. Sean Maniah, 
part of that Mexico City fiasco, but even before that was struggling, last year struggling, just dropping and dropping and dropping in the models rating system. And I just think this, you know, the Brewers bullpen is better offensively. It's might be a little bit better. It's probably a wash. It's tough to say. But this is really just all about the starting pitchers and saying, I know 145 is a little bit of a steep price for the road team. That's why it's only a C grade. The model just doesn't think there's a ton of value. And I would agree. This isn't where you want to put the majority of your eggs because the value proposition just isn't there. But it's definitely something where you should put a little bit in that basket to kind of diversify across the games here on Friday night. Brewers should win this game on the back of having a competent pitcher facing an incompetent pitcher. And that's really all it boils down to is I'm okay playing minus 145 at this model says it should be minus 135. So it's kind of in the dead zone, but I think Brewers minus 145. I think Brewers minus 150 is still fine above 150. I probably pass. I'm not taking the model would take the giants at plus 150. I'm not sure I would take the giants at plus 150 personally. I mean, I'm just not sure I have faith in Manaya against Burns unless I'm getting a steal of a value. And I just don't think 150 is it personally. And and sometimes they disagree with the model a little bit. And this is one where I just, I think the number should be higher than what the model says because I, I watch a lot of baseball and I, I, I have faith that Burns is going in the right direction. And I haven't seen Manaya go in the right direction in, it feels like two years now. It's probably not quite that long, but it's what it feels like. So I'm basically just backing Burns here in this one. There's other ways you can do this if you don't like the value. On the minus 145, you take a strikeout prop over. You can fade Manai. You can take team totals. Other options that you have, I'm just going to stick to a small investment here on the Brewers at minus 145. Total is eight. Model says 7.3. The tough part about this total is the fact that if you're playing the under, which is what the model would indicate to do, then you know, you are assuming that the Brewers aren't going to score that many runs on Manaya. It's a chilly night in San Francisco, like always, low 50s. Uh, wind doesn't really matter there, hardly ever, it seems like. So that's possible. Um, if you take the over, you're assuming the Giants are going to score off Corbin Burns. And I, maybe, you never know. But I just, I, I think that Burns is, again, I just have faith in him. So... Uh, this is probably more of a team total play for me. I think if you're kind of leaning over, I think just take the Brewers team total over. If you're leaning under, I think just take the Giants team total under and just kind of isolate those because this game wouldn't shock me if it lands something like Brewers 6-2 to two or one run off of that, which takes you over or under it. You know, 7-2 Brewers, 6-1 Brewers. Neither one of those outcomes would surprise me at all. So I'd rather just play the team totals at that point. Or again, you can take plus odds in the run line. Might not be a bad investment either because, again, this is really just all you know, first five. May not be a bad way to go first five just because I think the Brewers can jump out to a lead and then I think they can hold on and, and win. So run line first five, whatever you want to do. Try to find wherever value you like, whatever you're most comfortable with. But I, I just want to fade Manaya as many times as I can. He feels like a guy. We talked about Madison Bumgarner was this guy. Uh Jose Urena was this guy where there've been a couple guys that have been talking about like, Oh, I just want to fade him as much as I can. Uh, I, I, think they're, I think they're terrible. I think they're going the wrong direction. And those, both those guys have already been DFA'd and Manaya is heading that direction. I don't know if he will, uh, you know, he might pitch competently enough. Um, giants have, you know, enough injury issues in the rotation. Maybe, maybe six around for a little bit longer figures out who knows. Right. But, but, it wouldn't shock me if in two, three weeks we're talking about Manaya being DFA and we're looking back wishing we could have faded him a little bit more. So that's, that's my spiel for this one. Why I'm uh, trying to find ways to back the Brewers.
And that's all I've got for you here today. Thanks for tuning in this episode of Picks with the Professor. Don't forget to subscribe so you can enjoy the sports betting content provided on this channel. It's dropped right into your feed. Back again tomorrow with more baseball betting content. And until then, as always, best of luck. And remember, you can get your betting money, but please don't bet your any money.